the Star Parent Podcast, Samuel Kwanza is going to be talking about how we can enrich our relationship with money and that we can teach our children the value of saving and spending and being more realistic with our own financial situation. Thank you for listening. Wonderful. Um, today on the Star Parent Podcast, I'm so excited to have um, Samuel Kwanza with us. He's actually a dad and a very active member in his community in Shattagine, just recently ran for the municipal elections. Samuel, thank you so much for being here today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Lorraine. <laughs> no worries. Sammy, please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so uh, like you said, I'm an active member in my community here in Shattagine and um, as well as a uh, active member in uh, many of the communities that I've either worked in or had association with. Uh, I was a youth leader in Verdun for about 14 years. And then now I'm continuing that here now that we our church has made the move out to Shadigi. Uh Professionally, I've worked for TD for about 11 years now uh, through various positions in finance, uh, customer service, and uh, compliance. Um, yeah, a father of two kids, a husband, uh, very important to mention because they will, uh, my wife will definitely find me if I don't mention her. <laughs> of course she will. <laughs> or <support>. Backbone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for sure. Actually, that's I'm just bringing me back now because I think that's how we met actually was in Verdun. Exactly. I had my daycare in Verdun and we, I used to use the church. So it's just been, you know, over the years we've seen each other, mm -hmm. but this is the actual first time connecting. So I'm really, really happy that you're here and to share all that you know because one of the things that is so difficult for me to talk about mm -hmm. as a parent is money mm -hmm. and my spending and creating a future for myself and my children. Yes. So I would love to pick your brain about how we can set parents up for success when it comes to their finances and especially black people, because it's just not in our culture yeah. where we're taught about financial security. Yeah. No, that's, it's very true. And I've actually had a, a few con, um, conversations with um, people from the Black community. Uh, uh, we talked about that, just that issue, and that w the education on it is, is, um, is lacking. And I think to start off with, one of the things we need to do is be honest and transparent about both our knowledge and our understanding. And often I think um, what happens is, we have this sense of pride that mm -hmm. we feel we need to guard and by admitting anything, any fault in something as important as finances, we tend to get, uh, we, we veer away from, from asking for help. And so I think yeah. the first thing we need to start doing is saying, yes, this is a very intricate subject and we need to learn more and be willing to say, yeah, I don't know it all. I have, faults there are things that I don't understand and um, and reach out the hand and start setting up resources uh, where we can feel comfortable to ask yeah okay so like let's just say someone came into your office at TD and they asked you to help them set, get set up on a financial security plan 
how would I, the first part getting real, like you said, you know, being honest with yourself, identifying where you're at. And then how, like, I, I feel like it's a mindset shift too, right? Yeah. Yeah, it very much is. And that's one of the things that we notice is that mm -hmm. um, sometimes when people come in with preconceived notions, it, that's where that friction comes in, where we um, try to help individuals uh, attaining their own goals. Uh, and sometimes <clears throat> once getting past that is the hardest part. But really what's um, good about the situation we are in now is the bank is having to be more and more transparent with the way they do business because of social media, because of people speaking out. And so it is a much more comfortable space and a more honest space. Uh, but it, mm. does, it does come down to that when you come into the office and you're with a representative, always trust is something you're trying to build. And so it does help sometimes if you have an in into the institution, but when you don't, it's really just going there and being honest and understanding that your privacy is paramount to the bank because uh, there are so many ways that uh, they can get into trouble for hiding, uh, for exposing any of your financial situation and knowing that the more honest you are, the more tools they can give you. And so when someone walks into my office and they paint a picture of whether it be a uh, their retirement concerns or goals or um, setting up for their education. It's really mm -hmm. important that I ask direct questions and that they give me honest and direct answers. And then they, mm -hmm. uh, that they're also open to hearing the advice that I have to give. One of the most common mistakes that parents make when it comes to budgeting is not having a budget at all. It's great to have the mindset that there's abundance all around you and that money will flow into your life, but it is important to be realistic and to see how much money you actually have and how much money is coming in so you can allocate it for the needs of your family. Let's get back to Samuel. Okay, so I, I, what's leading me now to a question is about, you know, new parents. Like I just, I just had a son, as you know, Sparrows. He's actually going to be almost two now. And I just received in the mail not too long ago this it's called the Canada learning bond. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know anything about bonds and it's been sitting on my desk and I go, I know I have to take action on this. And there's this fear inside of me because mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. Right. And I, I know that it's a good thing mm -hmm. to go here because right. I'm learning about it too. Yeah. And I think there is a bot, there's a little bit of shame coming mm -hmm. from me. I'll be completely honest because I don't have a large savings account anymore since sure. COVID and I've just been living off my savings. Right. And I feel this sense of like being defeated before yeah. I even start. Like I'm in debt. I, I don't have a, a, a retirement fund. I don't have a pension because I was uh, in, independently employed. Right. So it's like, how do I start again? How do I get back? Yeah, well, I think the best thing to do is to understand that there is always enough time to do something and mm. to always set yourself up. And it's being, like I said, it's being honest and going to people that you know within the financial, that work in finances, and then mm -hmm. going to the financial institution and presenting them their situation. We mm -hmm. have different levels of advisors who can definitely sit down with you and, and give you an honest picture of where you can go. 
And but the most important thing is always knowing that even if you start with a little, or if you even have to make a plan to start with a little later, that's a mm-hmm. still a good thing. It's it's still setting yourself up for success because as our situations change, our financial picture changes, and we have to understand it's okay that it has to adapt. It'll, it's okay that sometimes we have uh, we end up in situations. Uh, that we don't feel comfortable in, whether it be debt or low savings, that there's always a way to come back from it. And it's mm-hmm. the most important thing is to talk and talk yeah. with professionals and then talk with people you're comfortable with. And mm-hmm. uh, debt management is definitely one that's a big one that a lot of people carry a lot of shame. I myself, when I was younger, before I started working with the bank, had racked up some debt because I had taken an opportunity to work um, for myself, for a, for a friend, mm-hmm. and uh, it wasn't, it didn't go the way we had hoped. And during that period of time, I was basically living off of a credit card. Mm-hmm. And so I racked up the debt. I racked up the debt on a line of credit. And I found myself in a situation where I was like, oh boy, I don't even know how I see water, but I didn't want to talk to anybody. Like there was right. that pride, like we talk about that. Yeah. That, um, you know, I need to be able to get this done. If I don't get it done, uh, then that makes me less of a person. And that's something I feel we, we do very much in the Black community. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's, it is part of the values. And it's, it is a good value to say I have lifted myself up. But at mm-hmm. the same time, lifting yourself up doesn't mean you don't ask for help. And that can yeah. definitely be a good part of the process. And that's something we have to learn to accept. And so once I um, got into the financial uh, institution, still carrying the debt, I was able to ask questions to colleagues, uh, realize that the more I hit it, the more the problem wasn't going to go away. And then mm-hmm. I was able to set up small things, but that set me on a longer picture, uh, a longer a longer place to getting in a better financial um, situation. And at the end of the day, I was able to work that debt down and then Mm -hmm. put myself in a better credit situation and a more comfortable situation. And uh, that's something that, that uh, I find we have a tendency to hold back on is, is being forthcoming with the, you know, our financial picture. Yeah, we're highlighting some really good stuff here, like not being completely or transparent with yourself mm-hmm. and your bank. That's one of the I'm just looking at the common mistakes that people make. And that seems like a common one. It's just not being forthcoming. Yeah. And then what, what other common mistakes that you've seen people make in their in, in their younger years, let's just say. So yeah. people who are listening now in their 30s. Yeah. People have different ideas of how to introduce the concept of money to children. By the age of five years old, a child can grasp the concept of spending and saving. Parents can choose different ways to introduce money to their child and whether or not allowing them to spend it in the way they choose or teaching them to save. It all depends on the way you feel about money and the values you have for your family. It's important to talk about them regularly so that your children can get a clear idea of how to save their money for a later day. Later day. Let's get back to Samuel. I think I think this is something that happens often in a lot of situations, but you're right. The younger you are, the more mistakes we tend to get. There's not yes. a lot of information on what is debt, how does credit work, 
uh, you know, what am I mm-hmm. saving for? What's the importance of saving? And so some of the biggest problems we see is people taking a credit product that they're, they're pre-approved for, but not understanding and not asking enough questions about it. Mm-hmm. And so often things like credit cards are the biggest, yeah. <laughs> are the places where people have the biggest problems because they don't understand what that does, um, how the product works. It mm-hmm. seems simple enough. I give the card to somebody, I buy something, they give it back to me, and maybe at some point I give it back. But there are deadlines, there are minimum payments, there's also helps to make sure that you keep your your payments going and on time. And it's a, it's a situation that a lot of young people uh, find themselves in where they've gotten a card because at 18, it's true, uh, often, you know, the bank will offer you even a $500 credit card is enough to set somebody on a on a bad path. So it's oh, really yeah, absolutely. I, th- I almost feel like it's an addiction, right? Like there's that dopamine that gets released yeah. when you have purchased something, you feel good, you're getting it right away. Yeah. And it creates that loop, right? You're so right. Because there's an instant reward. I mm-hmm. see something, I have this card, I can buy it, I wouldn't be able to buy it before. And there's this joy you get from it, like you said, that kick of dopamine, and it's it, it becomes an addiction is like, the moment you have to say no to yourself, it means it adds to that other part of you that's like, well, now I have access to all the things I want. And I think that's also one of the problems is, you know, people, credit gives people the ability for people to buy things they want and not what they need. And sometimes that's the thing that pushes us further into debt. Sometimes it is. There's a lot of people who are in debt because of things that they have to survive on. And that's, that's, uh, that's something, once again, we need to be honest about, but there are a lot of people who just get caught in, you know, meeting society's expectations and not being realistic about the place they're in. And that happens with young people all the time. You want to impress your yeah. you want to impress, you yeah. know, a significant other. You want to, you want to, you know, you want to carry this pre- presentation that sort of media shows us and, and yeah. society around us shows us. And we're trying to, you know, be something that, we actually can't do. And then mm-hmm. it just creates this distortion because then the real problem that I've seen for a lot of people is you're trying to live a st- lifestyle because you think that's who you want to be and you're not being honest about who you are and what your real financial picture should be for that. And so that is something that I've seen. Often. I've seen people with amazing salaries coming to mm-hmm. ask for increases on mortgages and home equity lines of credit and I look at their I look at their financial picture they won't be approved they've got a great salary but they've overstretched everything and they've there and some of the things I'll see is like oh they have the newest biggest car with all the bells Mm -hmm. and whistles they bought six months ago they want a bigger house when they already have a smaller family Mm -hmm. so people are just reaching 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 further and further past their means and that's that's both a societal problem and an individual problem. That, yeah, that absolutely. Problem. Yeah, yeah. It it makes me think about that term that was coined. I don't know when. I think it was the '80s or something like "fake it till you make it." Oh. <laughs> and I feel like you know people are never making it because no. there's always a desire yeah. for more. Yes. Right. Exactly. So th- yeah, makes me think about that. Yeah, it's a um, perfect, it's a perfect uh, 
it is a perfect statement to describe what how people live and also the error within that statement is is yeah. that part where the making it yes. most people doesn't happen believe it or not one of the common reasons why parents don't talk to their children about money is because they don't want their children to know how rich they are they think that it's going to rob them of their motivation and thinking that children will want to work hard because they know that there's security for them there's a little bit of truth in that but at the same time children are going to be naturally motivated on the things that they love to do and that's what eventually will bring in money for them so i think it's about teaching our child to be passionate about what they love to do and letting them know that money will follow let's get back to samuel let's just say you know they have two or three children how would can parents set up a savings account or savings for their children like what what's what's recommended should let's just say someone like i, I have debt we'll say and should i be putting my money right. towards putting some money away for sparrow right now or should i be focusing paying off this debt like i always think about what should i do like where should i be putting my my attention well well i think the and the from what talking with a lot of colleagues and the way the bank tries to look at is what's the best way to do it is to put a little bit in everything. And so Ah. that's the thing is sometimes we think, well, if I pay off all my debt, then I can start saving. But the truth is there's a very interesting balance between the interest you gain from saving and the interest you lose on paying. And so in some ways, investing in the savings, that interest that you're gaining on it combats some of the interest that you're paying on the debt. Okay. And so I, it's an interesting concept that a lot that <laughs> I've had a discussion with a lot of different people. And it's sometimes they just feel like, well, if I'm losing money here, even if I'm getting money there, you know, what's the point? But the truth is, you need to start. Sometimes it's good to start the savings, even if it's $5 a month, even okay. if it's you know, just building the habit is yeah. is a psychological benefit because at the end of the year, even if it's a dollar a month or five dollars a month or ten dollars a month or a hundred, whatever you can sit down and really look at your budget and say, yes, I can afford to do that. When you look at the end of the year, it's still more than zero. And yeah. so that gives you the idea of like, yeah, I it, it's a it's a sort of like a reward to yourself. To say, yes. regardless of how much I've had to do to bring myself back to the closest to zero in this year, I've still been able to put a little bit aside and yeah. I can still say, hey, there's something there. So I think it is about sitting down with everything you have, looking at the money you have been coming in, placing as much as you can within the debt, because there are there are some debts that need to be paid down right right away. And there mm-hmm. are some debts that need to um need to be that can wait a li- mm-hmm. um you know you can go on the minimum depending on interest mm-hmm. interest rates and whatnot but always 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 i suggest putting at least the minimum that you can away mm-hmm. in a savings i i don't like i said we have op- there so there are different options through every institution of something like pre-authorized transfers into a savings account or an investment and you know, it's always good for an individual to look. And I say sometimes even just putting in the minimum, even if mm-hmm. you look at your budget and I can afford 10, but I'm going to put in five, that's still good because you're mm-hmm. giving yourself a cushion. But I suggest doing that with somebody 
I always suggest because sometimes you don't see your you don't see things. Uh, there might be little things you don't see. So always doing it with someone, someone you trust or with a financial advisor is the best way to do it. Come in and say, this is what I have. This is what I have go- coming in. This is what I need to put out. You know, help me yeah. go through that. Yeah. When you're talking about the subconscious and the, you know, creating that that practice, that discipline. I remember one of my teachers telling me, Lorraine, just look at your bank account every morning. And that way, you know how much you have in your accounts. You just just seeing it gets your mind ready to be like, okay, exactly. this is what I have to add to, this is what I have to protect. So that it's a really good uh, advice to, to create a discipline yeah. for yourself. Yes. What's coming to mind for me now, because it's been so popular in the past, like, I don't know, 10 years or so, is cryptocurrency. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. What What is your opinion on that? <laughs> uh, it's It's a mix, because... Um, I mean, there are obviously people who've made lots of money, but, mm-hmm. um, it's in a way like the stock market in a way, okay. like inv- you're investing in, in something that, um, that we don't know where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know how, if it, I mean, it's had some great results in the past, but the market is very fluctuating. So to get, mm-hmm. to say, um, yeah, get in there, get, make sure you're in that cryptocurrency because in like five years, you're going to, you're going to be soaring. It's really hard to say it's, you're playing almost with, it's like playing with the stock market. Okay. Uh, you, and the thing about the stock market, just like with cryptocurrency is the people who are going to make money on it are going to be the people who already have money. Mm-hmm. So you have to be careful depending on your financial situation saying like how much am I willing to get into it and how much can I afford to get into it and it's one of those things where I'd say if you're working on a budget cryptocurrency is not the thing that's going to get you out uh is gonna you know bump up your budget um you have to be it's a risk it's a risk I, I have friends who are who are in it um uh, I had friends who were in it years ago. Uh, some have benefited, but it's it just takes a lot of knowledge. There's a lot of stuff yeah. to be done. And ju- like, if you want to be successful in the stock market, if you want to be in, you have to be able to dedicate a lot of time to it. And it's the same thing with cryptocurrency. But it's with cryptocurrency, it's almost like you have to invest in putting yourself into social media and different discords and different chats. You have to be on what the big guys are doing and you only you almost have to be preemptive about what the big guys are doing because if you're reactionary you're going to lose money because you'll always be at the wrong end of the swing of the market so i'm Mm. it's it's a tool it's an unverified tool it some people could look at it at it like apple you know at the beginning Mm -hmm. it was you know nobody thought anything of it and now you know, you'd be rich if you invested like a hundred bucks in it. Crypto has yeah. that potential, but it also has that potential for you to lose that hundred dollars. So I wouldn't tell people to dive into it. <laughs> I, I would, I would just say like cautious waters, like anything. Just yeah. Extremely cautious. If it's something you, you want to try, gather as much knowledge beforehand, talk to a lot of people, uh, speak to people who are against it and for it. Mm -hmm. or you make up your mind because 
but I would never use it as my primary source of income earning. I mean, mm. we do it. We do this in society where we, you know, the people who want you to get in, they show you all the people that made it, right? Yeah. Those are the guys who are out there. Oh, I made millions on cryptocurrency. I bought this house on cryptocurrency. I bought this sports car on cryptocurrency. I've retired from my work for, on cryptocurrency. But they don't talk to you about the thousands or millions of other people who are, you know, still working five jobs and then, you know, invested, you know, invested, I, I invested, uh, remortgaged their house and then lost that. And now are stuck with two mortgages and having to go back to a, you know, a part time job with more debt because, you know, they just made the wrong decision, the wrong mm-hmm. goal at the right time. So, uh, you know, those kind of investments really take a lot of knowledge and, I don't know if it's something I would recommend everybody in getting into. Right. So something that's safer, something that was like kind of like a no low risk um, investments. What's something that people could, you know, invest in? Like I know there's the TF, the, um, uh, the TFSA. Savings. Yeah. 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 Tax-free savings account is a, is a fantastic savings tool just because you can have everything from a tax-free savings account to a tax-free investment. And mm-hmm. the fact that you never pay taxes on the amount that you earn through that investment is great. So you you can definitely go in at any any type of savings with a tax-free account. Okay. And, and I always suggest like it's one of the first places, you know, you would invest your money. That and RSPs. But you always okay. it, with the difference between tax-free savings accounts versus our um, retirement savings plans is that with the tax-free account, you have the option of withdrawing your money in an emergency, whereas RSPs, there's more of a penalty to withdraw it early. Oh, so it's, okay. So that's the thing is, um, I mean, if you've invested it in something like a mutual fund or a GIC, there will be penalties from pulling it, but you're not necessarily going to, um, you're, it's not going to be the same penalties as taking out of your RSP. So um, once you get into the spot where you're thinking about doing uh, planning your long-term, short-term savings, mm-hmm. that's where you start using the tool of the tax-free and the RRSP at the same time. So safe investments, uh, uh, things I would always make sure you have in your portfolio is a tax-free savings account, uh, a tax-free account of any. Mm-hmm. Um, having a regular savings account is good. Uh, mm-hmm. I like using them for short-term long-term program so you're getting a a minute about of interest but it's like oh i'm saving for you know in six months uh to you know do a renovation at home or you know something that i need a savings account is a good place to put it because you see it but you don't think about it because you're not using it like you're checking Um, right guaranteed investment uh, certificates uh gic's are a very good tool for low volatility because your the money you put in is guaranteed uh but your money on the return uh, can fluctuate um so it's a very secure investment in the sense that oh i won't lose money uh it's just you might not gain as much money but right what's good with that product is um you can invest it from anywhere i think at the time uh anywhere from a year to five years i think they were looking into extending it to 10 years but five years uh so gic's are a good one and although um 
What does GIC stand for? Uh, guaranteed Investment Certificate. So you're, okay. basically it means you're, the money you put in is guaranteed. And then the, the return on that guarantee can fluctuate. So okay. you'll, that's where people, a lot of people like it, especially closer to their retirement or within their retirement for the short term, because it's like, oh, I'm going to retire in five years. I want to invest it in something, but I don't want to put it in something like a mutual fund or the stock, mm-hmm. market because if I need it, then if you I run the risk, exactly. Of losing. Risk. Okay. Got you. So it's a, it's a good tool for short term investing where you you know, you're like, I need this money for something, mm-hmm. but I don't need it now. And so let me put it in something so that when I do need it in a shorter term, at least I know the money itself is safe. And if whatever I get is a bonus. The one ve- investment that I, I do like personally, but a lot mm-hmm. of people don't like as is the mutual fund. Okay. Uh, tell us why. Well, I like the mutual fund because the potential for earning is better than most products in the long term. So okay. a long, it's a good, I find it's a good long-term investment. Uh, but it is something where depending on the time you take, you want to take it out, you want to be very careful. So I use, mm. a, you, I like to use mutual funds as something that I don't have to think of. Um, maybe I'll explain what a mutual fund is just in case. Yeah, please, please, but, please. But, but it's, a, um, it's a grouping of different products, uh, investment products. So it could be anything from bonds, um, investment in what we call blue chip or uh, secure, uh, secure companies. So companies that have been there that aren't going anywhere, something like the bank or... Uh, or, um, you know, big, big, big companies like, uh, mm-hmm. like Bell or something, like Bell or, or something that, you yeah. know, is guaranteed. They're not going anywhere. Their infrastructure is sound. And then, yeah. it, and then it, it, um, it gets some of its risk from investing in things that are going up and down. But what's good about it is it has someone following the investment constantly and moving the money around. So, multiple, and it's not you. It's, it's not, not you. It's somebody. It's, oh, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to do anything. You put it in the mutual fund, and then somebody else occupies, takes care of that mutual fund. Who's that somebody? So it's a, there's it's an investment specialist, a, a a person who's who's basically watches the market for you. So and they're, they're experienced. Doing, yeah, exactly. They're experienced representatives who who've decided to, you know, work solely on the investment portion and, and uh, uh, fu- like handle this, the fund. Mm. Right. And okay. so, yeah. And so where that's good is in the long term, generally mutual funds perform extremely well. Everything from the low to the medium to the high, they yeah. perform extremely well. And um, why I like to use it as a low risk uh, say it's there is the option for a low risk is because you can invest it in a low risk investment. You can make it a low risk mutual fund. So where mm-hmm. the bulk of it is in very secured um, investments and then yeah. just a little bit of volatility so that, you know, you can gain in the long term. So that's for people who, you know, 
You're like, I have money that I don't need at least for 10 years. Or let's say you wanted to do your five, you know, put in a minimum amount and then say, okay, I'm going to put in like $10, $15 a month. Uh and, And that's money that I won't need to touch, you know, for 10 years. It's a good space because the way it works is if the market goes down, it's true. Your mutual fund might go down, but just like any stock market, just like the market in general, the period that it comes down has a period where it comes up. Up, so, right, right, right. So if it's money you don't need to touch, if it's money you don't need to think of, it's uh, if like if I didn't need to withdraw it during the time where the market was down, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I can keep it in for another five years. I mean, generally you're gonna bump up and then usually bump up higher. So like there was a big crash in 2008. A lot of people lost money. People mm-hmm. started pulling money out of their mutual funds because they started to dip. But what a lot of other people did, and it's once again, it's usually the people with money because they both understand mm-hmm. how the market works, is what they started to do when the market started to drop was they bought more on, ah. each, on each dip. And then as it came up, they just made more and more money on all the money they reinvested in it. So I like, I like the tool as something where mm-hmm. you're like, I don't need this money now. I don't um, like, uh, let's say you were planning your retirement in 20 years, 25 years. I'm saying that because I'm, that's my time frame. So yeah. Yeah. If you're younger, <laughs> be 30 years, <laughs> even better. And you, uh, <laughs> So you take some money, you stick it in there. And then you say, that's my retirement money. You can also do like a retirement RRSP or some uh, mutual fund RRSP and okay. blend those products together. And then, you know, you're getting the, you know, you're getting the tax benefits uh-huh. of the RRSP. You're getting the, you're getting the, um, the growth of the mutual funds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, over that 40 years, unless I usually say, unless the bank crashes, your mutual fund is going to be fine. Wow. Oh my goodness. I will definitely picking your brain more about this because that sounds exciting to me. I've actually never had it explained to me this way mm. and it feels so much more doable. Yeah. Um, when you, when you understand. Yeah. And so thank you. I want to, I want to wrap this up, but I have another question for you because a lot of people don't understand the spiritual aspect of mm. money. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about your connection with God and your relationship with money as a result? Yeah, I I um I think there's a huge huge spiritual component to um to money. I mean the, mm-hmm. the expression money is the root of all evil doesn't necessarily speak to money itself, but the addiction we have to mm. uh, to using it and what it what it means to us as what we call freedom sometimes. And so often money becomes uh, in our lives, a reflection of of um, ways we want to cope, right? So, mm. if I'm a type of person who you know copes with my own stresses by eating, take my money, buy myself as much food as I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm a person who copes by trying to build a you know a lifestyle, take that money, start you know. Building buying as many cars as you can, cars, or something. buying as many clothes, as many shoes, as many anything as I can. And so right. where money becomes a problem is once it, be, it not the money controls us, but the attitudes behind us control us. 
And that's very much what Jesus came to free us from. Mm-hmm. That's why God sent his son is to give us the freedom, not just like, like from our sins, but the things that cause our sins. And so money is a reflection sometimes, not always. Listen, life happens mm-hmm. just because you're in a bad situation. Doesn't mean you're a sinner. Doesn't mean you have a bad character. Doesn't yeah. mean you've done anything wrong. Like mm-hmm. you said, the pandemic hit and there, yeah. are certain, there are certain things where it's out of your hands. You know, right. you could like uh, if you especially when you're working for yourself, you're running a small business. Sometimes, especially during certain periods, everything's very fragile. Mm-hmm. And there's only so much you can do to prepare. Because, right. Right. And so that's 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 not the situation I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the parts of us that use money to fill in holes that should mm-hmm. be filled in with God. And so the spiritual component, I do believe, comes down to money, uh, comes down to the fact that money gives us access uh, to things to fill in voids that God should fill up. And, oh, that's so good. Yeah, and I think he wants to push those desires out and fill them with ourselves and then fill them with himself. Yeah. And then at that point, when you look at the things you want, you can look at it with a clearer view. So it's like, yeah, there's not, there isn't any, I don't believe there's anything wrong with wanting a pair of XYZ sh- sue, uh, mm-hmm. shoe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I think we, there's many things, and that's a big conversation we could get into. It's like, <laughs> you know, well, I, um, you know, the the person who designs the shoe and you know their passion and their skills and the, you know and the art form and all that stuff totally stuff yeah the entity that supports it but it, when it comes when you're past the rational decision of doing it that's when you're out of control and that's where God needs to come yeah. in yeah like that. yes it's I that. read this th- I read this thing before speaking with you and I I just resonated so much and it was to spend money on experiences and not things. Yeah. yeah. And I just thought that was so powerful because experiences can be cheap. You know, yeah. riding your bike down the road and buying an ice cream with some friends exactly. is way less expensive than renting a Lamborghini and traveling exactly. around town, exactly. you know, impressing people. <laughs> exactly. 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 I, 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 um, I love the old idea of what because we have to about because there are people with money that's it's not a sin for them to have the money no definitely not but it can be a sin once again like you said if i if i'm rich so i buy a lamborghini to flash it in everybody's face and show them how much money i have yeah that's wrong <laughs> that's wrong yeah that's wrong but i love there was an old idea of money and i think you see it in the bible like uh of people with money who um what they would do was They use their wealth, they use their prosperity to enhance other people's lives. Mm. And so if you're rich, I think you're responsible. If you do have the money, then I think your responsibility is to um, work with invest in other people, right? Yes, yes, yes. If I gave, if I gave all my money to, you know, I'm going to say Ikea because for me, that's oat (laughs) oat, uh, furniture right now. I just love it. Okay. But if I went in, which it isn't, I know by far, but <laughs> I'm not at that level where I know the big, big guys for furniture. But okay. uh, if I went and took my millions and then just filled my house with all the Ikea stuff that I could ever get, um, you know, 
I think I would be, that would be wrong because there are great people working through their passion to build wonderful furniture, do great carpentry. And although it would cost me more, I'm investing in someone's passion that they could be using that yes. to, to, to show God love through that work. Yes, and so, absolutely. So there is a balance. There's times where you're like, yeah, I have this extra money. I mm-hmm. could go to a store that has a buy one, get one for free and buy two shoes. Now, do I need the two shoes? That's a question you need to ask yourself. But yeah. can I then take that and look at, you know, this independent local guy who's got a really cool concept and has a really good heart and then invested in him. So yes. that's the balance. That's the thing. That's where you take control money. That's where money and investment, money and, and how you use your money becomes a God thing. Yeah, it's so true because it makes me think about, you know, some the artist mentality. I've met a lot of people in Montreal that think, yes. I don't really want a lot of money because when you have money, you turn into a bad person or you do bad things or, you know, like you said, money is yeah. the root of all evil. But I had a teacher that told me welcoming wealth and abundance into your life can help you to be a service yes. to others. Yeah. And to ha- having overflow means you can help people and how wonderful is that exactly. and w- when I changed my mindset that's when I started to stop repelling wealth coming towards me exactly it's a, it is a mindset it is because the truth of that the real truth behind that statement is it isn't money that makes you evil it's the evil in you that makes you evil mm. so it's in you and you get something that can fuel that weakness and you feed it it's just going to ask for more yeah and so the truth is, it's not the money that makes the people evil. It's the evil in them that makes them evil. And yeah. then they follow it. They just let it fuel. The money just fuels it. Um, one of the things I did here, just to comment a little bit on money, uh, yeah. was, and I agreed with it, is the problem with money, and this is the other thing where I think the root of all evil um, thing comes in, is it's once we started, money becomes a thing where we attribute value to something. Yes. And once we start deciding this has a value, that item has a value, this person has a value, that job yeah. has a value, that's also a big sin from, from, from money. And, you know, it's so tied up in our system that it's hard to, to, to free ourselves from it. But I just wanted to throw that in there. As, as yeah, it's for- actually awakened me into a whole other, I'm like, maybe we yeah. should talk for another hour because I know. it makes me think, <laughs> it makes me think about, you know, systematic racism. Yes. Because people with money, with status, and with race can really occupy an amount of space and take over from others wanting to grow and to build. Exactly. And I'm experiencing that now in my life on a personal level where, you know, people of money and power are ruling. And I I don't have money and I don't have the step. I said, I'm an early childhood educator. And when people think about that, they're like, oh, you take care of children. And it's like the most valuable job there is, but it's so undermined because it's mainly done by women. And even, even in the, yeah. And even in the Bible, women are sometimes portrayed as less than, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's so hard to, well, I find it challenging to develop this confidence that I can overcome one, the, 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 the race situation, then the the money situation. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it affects the whole self-esteem of a person and it's so frustrating it is it is (laughs) you're you're so right and if you look the listen the women's problem with 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 um reducing that financial gap doesn't just come from when they're working alongside a man and not getting paid 
but you're right industries that are predominantly women being underpaid and that yeah. goes to this sense of value that we're attributing to their experience right black yes. people's experience when they're paid less for the same higher up or lower end job it's we're saying well your experience is less valuable because yeah. it probably comes and so that's the thing is like it's a double hit on the person they're like i'm not just now told that i can't reach a certain echelon i can't but i'm also told i'm not worth enough and i love that you said that and that you added that yeah. but it's so yeah true. me too it's so true so it's almost like we have to get to the it's because money's here you have to get to the place where we properly align our financial uh, like how money uh reflects the value of the individual but then we also yep. have to find a way of a society of withdrawing that value that money puts on each each of us and then finding that value in ourselves and what we do and then yes oh you're not getting the reward of being financially compensated but but on the moral sense on the on how god looks at it and how as a society we should look at it yes you ha- there that value is definitely higher than yes it, than any other and, and it can also fuel too like it's, i'm just thinking about creating collectives we hear so much about other races you know we'll mm. talk about a lot of uh, chinese mm. they'll pool their money together yeah to create wealth you know i had neighbors there was like nine people living in an apartment yeah. for two years. Yeah. And then before you know it, they were buying houses. Yeah. They had just spent two years saving their money collectively. And then they had, now they have two houses to live in. Exactly. And I was like, wow, this is something. And I think, you know, having more conversation with black people and building that trust up again, because black people often fight against each other. Yeah. And it creates a divide within, which makes it difficult for us to, developed collectively exactly no it, yeah exactly and they and to be honest everybody that wants black people to not succeed love it when we fight yeah <laughs> they love it they love it when we use the we're the wrong terms against each other yeah. they yeah. when we they when they use their when we use their terms against each yeah. other as yeah. a winning point it's it they they thrive on that they're like that's good keep yourselves down so I, I can be blamed keep for me- of the work. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, I want to keep all the money for me. I want to keep Yeah. It starts with us. It's a mindset. It beca- it's getting comfortable with what you have, being honest about what you have, yeah. and seeking out people who are experienced to help you. Yeah. I think that's what I'm getting from this. And I, yeah. I would love for you to come back, Sammy. It oh. was so wonderful talking with you. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I, uh, I want to have this dialogue. I just want to have this dialogue with you or any dialogue with you. You're so, uh, <laughs> you have so much insight and you're, and what I like about the way you talk and it goes to what we're saying is as I say something, you're willing to accept the idea and then apply it to yourself. And if we do that, if everybody does that, you, you know, the amount of growth that we'll start coming to is, is huge. And we can start fighting a lot of these problems that we have. Yes. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. I ask all of our listeners, you know, what does spiritual parenting mean to you? Because whatever it is, just seek it, ask for it, and do whatever it takes to make you shine, because you will. Samuel Kwanzaa, thank you so much for being here again. Oh, thank you, Laurie. Thank you for My that. pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye.